What's up, guys? It is Coach Callie V, and yep, it's another softball podcast. In this episode, this is the one you've been waiting for. This is part two of two of Constructive Comparison, where I sit down with one of my athletes, Gianna Baca, and we discuss what constructive comparison looks like and means to her. Let's get into it. Quick little side note here. I just wanted to put out there a little reminder. This is in the facility where I work out of. We did this interview right after her pitching session. So it is very real. You are going to hear balls being hit in the background. You might hear even a little bit of white noise. You're not going to hear me as well as I want you to hear me. For some reason, my earbud wasn't as powerful as her earbud. But that's truly the gist to this episode is her version, her meaning, her theory of what constructive comparison means to her. So buckle down, focus up, and let's get into this episode. All right, guys, well, I have a special guest on today's podcast as we are talking about constructive comparison. She is right in the middle of probably one of the, I would say, most challenging parts of her career coming in as a junior in high school. She literally had two years left of softball in high school, but you and I have known for a kid that wants to play college softball, she could be committed in as little as two months, six months, eight months. So, Gianna Baca, coming from Blackstaff, Arizona, I've known her since she was about eight years old as her pitching coach, and she's been a mentor in her life. I even got to come along for the family trip with you and your mom mm-hmm. to uh, I would say going into this year and even looking back in the past, I've always had two parts to every story and everything, every aspect of my life and friendships, coaches, schools, teachers, everything in my life. And I think to look in the depth of it, it's always been no one looks at that. And I feel like even simply looking it up, it's either you can be constructive, helping, and trying to help someone or deconstructive putting someone down to make themselves feel better and me personally I've been at both aspects of that and hearing from other people and I I think it's a big thing people need to talk about and to understand the difference and put it into 
like reality because it is every single day you gosh it's you have parts in your life whether that's what or what am I going to do or have to think what what's the next part of my life even next week what are my schedules what am I what's on my agenda and I think with everything with that you have to look at yourself and kind of build off yourself and I think me personally if I look at it and I throughout the day I can either be productive or I can sit in my room on my bed all day and I think for me going forward and me pursuing what I am with softball and being a pitcher and being an athlete and I think it's me every day waking up and figuring out you know maybe maybe I should go work out maybe I should go do that and I think even talking to my mom and her being so talking to me through it yes you can do this the positives of being the constructive instead of saying you're so lazy you can't do that or she'll always be positive and say go work out you'll get bigger you'll get stronger you know and I think if she on the other opposite of that was like you're lazy I would that would tear me down so it's kind of a personal way of looking at what everyone says about you and what you do with that information so I'm gonna, I'm gonna Gianna, you need to go lift because so-and-so lifts. How is that constructive? It, it, this, this is what I'm talking about, yeah. though, because you're a pitcher and coming into her seat. Yeah. You're getting ready to finish out probably your last, last growth spurt, but those of you that listen to this and know anything about collegiate softball, if you are trained right and you eat right, you will gain more speed in college. Like, mm-hmm. it just happens. So... That constructive comparison, it comes across like this. Hey, Gianna, you need to go work out. You need to get stronger. You want to know why? Because you have speed yet to have. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you have speed literally waiting for you to own. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to compare you to somebody else mm-hmm. who's faster than you, who's more muscular than you. She's literally saying, you have yet to even know what you're capable of doing. That's that's the kind of stuff that I feel like as a pitcher, we are constantly looking at JoJo, the circuit boy, and going, well, look what she's doing, look what she's doing, look what she's doing, in like that essence. And we have to put our blinders on and be like, okay, that's great. She can do that, but I can do this. That's constructive comparison. You start going, well, she throws 60 miles per hour, and I'm only hitting 57. She's better than not necessarily. She might have one pitch that hits 16, but you have four pitches that you can move around all day long and keep batters off. Mm-hmm. Off your ball. So, think about that. You use the example of planning your week. How do you apply comparison with construction when you plan your week? Because it's really easy as a teenage girl to go, well, so-and-so does this, and I don't want to do anything like her. That's deconstructive. We don't know her story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what kind of strides they're battling. Everybody's got a battle. Mm-hmm. So how does Gianna construct her comparison? How do you 
um, I look at the way I was grown up to be, even to this day and looking forward, my parents always teaching me, be positive, trust in yourself, believe in yourself. And it took me a while to believe that because I've always looked at those people that are higher up and being like, wow, I can never be them, which is deconstructive of myself until I learned, you know what? I, I am like them. I can be like them. I will strive to be like them. So I think it took me a while to realize what I could do and the strength of myself to figure out what I can do. And I figured out looking at those other people wasn't doing anything for me, but making me feel worse about myself. They didn't know that I was comparing myself to them. They didn't know anything about that until I finally to myself thought, I, I will be like them. And it's, it's so, I would say life changing for me because if I kept saying that to myself, I wouldn't be the place I am right now. And I wouldn't strive to do better every single practice, every single game, every single time. So I think figuring that out for myself was a complete game changer in my life. I think it should always go back to your foundation. Um, you've been around me long enough to know that my foundation is in God. I have a lot of faith. My mom plays a big part in that because when I look back in my childhood, I always looked different. I was always different. I was what people would consider an outcast. Now it's cool to be an outcast, <laughs> you know. But my mom would always tell me, "Keep walking to your own gate. Keep walking to your own." Now I get to preach this into you and my other athletes. Like, put your blinders on and keep doing you. And that can be taken several ways. Some people see it as being selfish. Like, do you, girl? Do you? Snap, snap. But in all honesty, that's not what I'm meaning by that. I am meaning you are you, and it's going to take exactly what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And if that means you have to eat at every two hours, you have to eat so many calories because you have gains in the muscles and you want to be in the weight room and building things. That's what you need to do. And on the outside looking in, there's going to be another little girl that's going to see you. She's not going to see you eating. She's not going to see you kind of being ran by a clock. When you gotta eat. She's going to see your body start to change and she's going to go, I want to be just like Gianna. And that's where you have the opportunity to spread the good news to that little girl and say, hey, this is what I have to do. It's not easy. This is what I have to do to get muscle so I can continue to grow as an athlete. And then when they know that, they're like, oh, then all of a sudden the door opens. Oh, you mean I get to do things for me? Like, I don't have to do things like everybody else to a T. Like, I don't have to follow the blueprint for every pitcher. No, you don't. Because every pitcher is made different. So, I think your foundation is strong. You have parents that rise above the situation rather than being in it and throwing balls. They choose the big picture. They look, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. And then they just say, all right, we're just going to continue to put our blinders on and be us and do us. And I love that because it's transpiring through you. Mm -hmm. You're the third kid. You're, you're going to be the exclamation point in everything you do in your family. Everything. I know this. I'm the baby. We finish 
with that, how can you offer advice to any female athlete that comes onto the podcast? And whether they're eight years old, whether they're your age, whether they're in college, because DJ athletes struggle with this too, especially with you know news coverage, things that get on ESPN. Well, so and so doing this. Well, you should do this. Mm-hmm. No, no. How how can you inspire other female athletes? I would say set goals for yourself and I would say strive for them and I know in that moment you're like oh I can't I won't I won't be able to like I don't believe in myself and I think that's one thing that you're so used to saying and doing and at one time it'll switch and I think talking to people about it, talking to your family, if not a teammate, if not your sister or brother, and having that goal of, I will, I will do this. I will, even as little as, I will get a little base hit in this game, or even in real life, I will go to the gym. I will set another thing in my life to make myself feel better, because in the outcome of it, it'll make yourself feel better. I go to bed at night thinking, oh, I accomplished so much, and I, I, this is who I am for it. Well, I like that, but I'm going to be double advocate here. What if I'm your teammate, and I tell you you suck, and how you do things is stupid because nobody else does it, and I get to go to bed feeling better about myself because I told you what I thought. So there's a thin line there. Mm-hmm. Don't base your actions on feeling better. Base your actions on the fact that you have the courage to set a goal and you are going to follow through with those goals by locals. In fact, I'm pretty sure within the last two weeks you should have gotten a letter from me that had a little note card on it and said, what are your goals? Set my goals. I put it right by my bed. Yep. I told you. I said it has to be somewhere where you can see it. Mm -hmm. And and I get it. It's trendy. It's like everybody's doing it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Those are your goals on your paper. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do to get from A to Z. There's that many spots in between you're going to have to accomplish. So just remember that when you use the phrase, do something because it'll make you feel better, mm-hmm. people do drugs to feel better, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with that. Remember, you're talking to kids. So when you talk to those athletes, like, you're going to know it. You're going to see the athletes that are going to come up to you that are going to have it. You're going to see it in their eyes. And then you're going to see the athletes that have it, but there's something blocking them. And you're going to have to be very patient. And you're going to have to construct, 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 construct. Mm-hmm. And I think you, like, working with me in that aspect, when I was pitching, I was five foot three. I've already shrunk an inch. So you're working with somebody who had to contend with Amazon pitchers, mm-hmm. and I still contended. So I think that's an attractive aspect to have somebody to look up to, right? Mm-hmm. That's no, no hate against male pitching coaches, but female pitching coaches who have actually pitched in a game will always have that over a male. Now, if you're a male pitching men's fast pitch, I had one of those coaches, and he taught me a lot about pitching, so I do value that. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, when did you know 
like Coach Cali actually cares? Like when did you when did you figure it out if you had a moment? When when did you see my truth? Because you talked in the beginning of this about that construction, the mm-hmm. compassion, the caring. When did you know like I'm not just a filler up in the tank for Coach Cali, like she actually sees me, she validates me. When did you know? I would say the first practice when I was like, I'm serious. I'm I'm so serious. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. The you constantly saying a comment or saying constructively to me what I'm doing wrong and how to fix it, not just kind of letting me try to find my way or which a lot of people do. And I think from that day. I took it and I was like, you know what? Like, she's going to be a constant right now. Like, that's that's what I'm going to put myself towards. And I did. And even talking to my mom about it, I was like, she's not just, like, my coach. And, yeah, at the beginning I was like, oh, this is new. And I don't, I don't, do, I don't do good with new. And I knew walking into it, I, I was like, you know, she, I told my mom after, after that, after that practice, I said, I like her. And that's, that's what I needed. I, that's what I needed. And I told her, I was like, I need a constant in my life. Yes, my family was great. I love my family, but I needed something else to be a constant. And that's when that first practice, I was like, I like her. And it's crazy too, because those of you that don't know my story, like we lived in Blackstaff, Arizona for 12 years. Our whole world flipped upside down, and we ended up moving down here in a matter of like two or three months down the valley, like the fifth largest city in the nation. Mm-hmm. And Gianna stayed with me, and it's crazy because we went to field sessions. Um, right now, we're at a facility down in the Arizona Batting Club, where I work a lot of my sessions out of. Um, but she, like I said, we're down here for a camp. Sister Bella had an appointment. Everything's gonna go good. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, with that, Gianna chose to stay with me. Like, I don't know. There, it's a lot to coach somebody where you've been with them one on one, one on one, one on one physically, and then you're not there physically. You have to like up your ante and put more communicative skills in what you thought you had already. And I get it. It's not for everybody. Not everybody can do it. And I think you're just, you're, again, you're just a rare breed. And that's something I saw in you the first day was, I'll never forget your ponytail. <laughs> so, Gianna has, like, such thick hair that, I don't know, like, the diameter is, like, a couple of dollars. That, and she just, she would pitch and she had this little hop when she would finish pitching so excited, and especially for the strike, made her mama, settle down, settle down. And her mom saw her fire early on, and she knew that she needed somebody to teach her how to keep the flame burning, because mm-hmm. athletes like that will burn out really quick. And Gianna has continued to grow, and she's continued to evolve in her pitching game, as well as how she receives instruction. So... When we do get the opportunity to work together, it's not a 
thousand pitches in a row mm-hmm. and then break things down. We do a lot of health checks, as pitch checks, but I knew you had something special on you that first time. And what's cool is I used to do dual sessions with her and her sister, <laughs> so it's pretty crazy, but sister's off to college. Crazy! Crazy! But, well, cool. Anything yeah. else you want to add? So, ladies, gentlemen, if you're a coach, parents, athletes, you're listening to this, and if you're around my age, I'm 42, we've kind of been predisposed to think comparison is a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Judgment is a negative thing. Well, here's the truth. You are going to judge somebody within the first 20 seconds of meeting them. Mm -hmm. You're you're either a teeth person, an eye person, a shoe person, a butt person. I don't know. Like, you're going to look at things and be like, nope, their teeth suck. Oh, my gosh, their eyes are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you're going to look at. That's you judging. Mm-hmm. That, that's honest about truth. So comparison is always going to be there. So it's up to you as an athlete, as a coach, as a parent to make that comparison constructive. Because you can take away everything that pitcher has worked on, that athlete in general has worked on, in three words. It, everything can be stripped from you. So I encourage you coaches, parents, even athletes, your teammates, be constructive about your comparison. I love it when I work on teams that have three different types of pitchers. I got a fast one, I got a middle speed, and I got a slow one. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm excited. I never look at one and go, why can't you pitch like her? You want to know why she can't pitch like her? Because she's not her. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. So be great at the things you're good at. If you're good at something, be great. Don't be good, be great. And watch how things will fall into place for you. Okay. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for this is totally impromptu by the way. <laughs> I was like, hey, you wanna stay? <laughs> Alright. Okay, so you're gonna get more from me because that was just like a little ta-da-da-da. Look what we're gonna talk about today. Alright, thanks for listening. <laughs>